Section forty two of the Life of Samuel Johnson, volume two by James Boswell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Johnson's grateful acknowledgments of kindnesses received in the course of this tour completely refute the brutal reflections which have been thrown out against him as if he had made an ungrateful return and his delicacy in sparing in his book those who we find from his letters to mrs thrale were just objects of censure is much to be admired Footnote. i find in his letters only sir a macdonald of whom this can be said End of footnote. his candour and amiable disposition is conspicuous from his conduct when informed by Mr. MacLeod of Rasse that he had committed a mistake which gave that gentleman some uneasiness. He wrote him a courteous and kind letter, and inserted in the newspapers an advertisement correcting the mistake. Footnote C. Journal of a Tour to the Hebrides, 3rd edition, page 520, page 431. Boswell, end of footnote. The observations of my friend Mr. Dempster, in a letter written to me soon after he had read Dr. Johnson's book, were so just and liberal that they cannot be too often repeated. There is nothing in the book, from beginning to end, that a Scotchman need to take amiss. What he says of the country is true, and his observations on the people are what must naturally occur to a sensible, observing, and reflecting inhabitant of a convenient metropolis, where a man on thirty pounds a year may be better accommodated with all the little wants of life than Col or Sir Allen. I am charmed with his researches concerning the earth's language and the antiquity of their manuscripts. I am quite convinced, and I shall rank Ossian and his Fingals and Oscars among the nursery tales, not the true history of our country, in all time to come. Upon the whole, the book cannot displease, for it has no pretensions. The author neither says he is a geographer, nor an antiquarian, nor very learned in the history of Scotland, nor a naturalist, nor a fossilist. Footnote. Fossilist is not in Johnson's Dictionary. End footnote. The manners of the people and the face of the country are all he attempts to describe, or seems to have thought of. Much were it to be wished that they who have travelled into more remote and, of course, more curious regions had all possessed his good sense. Of the state of learning, his observations on Glasgow University show he has formed a very sound judgment. He understands our climate, too and he has accurately observed the changes, however slow and imperceptible to us, which Scotland has undergone in consequence of the blessings of liberty and internal peace. Mr. Knox, another native of Scotland, who has since made the same tour and published an account of it, is equally liberal. I have read, says he, his book again and again, travelled with him from Berwick to Glenelg, through countries with which I am well acquainted, sailed with him from Glenelg to Rasay, Sky, Rum, Col, Mull, and Icomkill, but have not been able to correct him in any matter of consequence. 
I have often admired the accuracy, the precision, and the justness of what he advances respecting both the country and the people. The doctor has everywhere delivered his sentiments with freedom, and in many instances with a seeming regard for the benefit of the inhabitants and the ornament of the country. His remarks on the want of trees and hedges for shade, as well as for shelter to the cattle, are well founded and merit the thanks, not the illiberal censure of the natives. He also felt for the distresses of the highlanders, and explodes with great propriety the bad management of the grounds and the neglect of timber in the Hebrides. Having quoted Johnson's just compliments on the Rasse family, footnote, Rasse has little that can detain a traveller except the laird and his family, but their power wants no auxiliaries. Such a seat of hospitality amidst the wind and waters fills the imagination with a delightful contrariety of images. Works, volume 9, page 62, and a footnote. He says, On the other hand, I found this family equally lavish in their encomiums upon the doctor's conversation and his subsequent civilities to a young gentleman of that country who, upon waiting upon him at London, was well received and experienced all the attention and regard that a warm friend could bestow. Mr. MacLeod, having also been in London, waited upon the doctor, who provided a magnificent and expensive entertainment in honour of his old Hebridean acquaintance. And talking of the military road by Fort Augustus, he says, By this road, through one of the most rugged in Great Britain, the celebrated Dr. Johnson passed from Inverness to the Hebride Isles. His observations on the country and people are extremely correct, judicious, and instructive. Mr. Teitler, the acute and able vindicator of Mary, Queen of Scots, in one of his letters to Mr. James Elphinstone, published in that gentleman's Forty Years' Correspondence, says, I read Dr. Johnson's tour with very great pleasure. Some few errors he has fallen into, but of no great importance, and those are lost in the numberless beauties of his work. If I had leisure, I could perhaps point out the most exceptionable places, but at present I am in the country, and have not his book at hand. It is plain he meant to speak well of Scotland, and he has, in my apprehension, done us great honour in the most capital article, the character of the inhabitants. His private letters to Mrs. Thrale, written during the course of his journey, which therefore may be supposed to convey his genuine feelings at the time, abound in such benignant sentiments towards the people who showed him civilities that no man whose temper is not very harsh and sour can retain a doubt of the goodness of his heart. Footnote from Sky, he wrote, The hospitality of this remote region is like that of the golden age. We have found ourselves treated at every house as if we came to confer a benefit. Piozzi letters into Woodnote. It is painful to recollect with what rancour he was assailed by numbers of shallow, irritable North Britons, 
on account of his supposed injurious treatment of their country and countrymen in his journey had there been any just ground for such a charge would the virtuous and candid dempster have given his opinion of the book in the terms which i have quoted would the patriotic knox have spoken of it as he has done Footnote. i observed with much regret while the first edition of this work was passing through the press august seventeen ninety that this ingenious gentleman was dead Boswell, end of footnote. would mr tytler surely a scot if ever scot there were have expressed himself thus and let me add that citizen of the world as i hold myself to be i have that degree of predilection for my natale solum that i have that just sense of the merit of an ancient nation which has been ever renowned for its valour which in former times maintained its independence against a powerful neighbour and in modern times has been equally distinguished for its ingenuity and industry and civilised life that i should have felt a generous indignation at any injustice done to it johnson treated scotland no worse than he did even his best friends whose characters he used to give as they appeared to him both in light and shade some people who had not exercised their minds sufficiently condemned him for censuring his friends but sir joshua reynolds whose philosophical penetration and justness of thinking were not less known to those who lived with him than his genius and his art is admired by the world explained his conduct thus he was fond of discrimination which he could not show without pointing out the bad as well as the good in every character and as his friends were those whose characters he knew best they afforded him the best opportunity for showing the acuteness of his judgment he expressed to his friend mr windham of norfolk his wonder at the extreme jealousy of the scotch and their resentment at having their country described by him as it really was when to say it was a country as good as england would have been a gross falsehood none of us said he would be offended if a foreigner who has travelled here should say that vines and olives don't grow in england and as to his prejudice against the scotch which i always ascribed to that nationality which he observed in them he said to the same gentleman when i find a scotchman to whom an englishman is as a scotchman that scotchman shall be as an englishman to me his intimacy with many gentlemen of scotland and his employing so many natives of that country as his amanuenses prove that his prejudice was not virulent and i have deposited in the british museum amongst other pieces of his writing the following note in answer to one from me asking if he would meet me at dinner at the mitre though a friend of mine a scotchman was to be there mr johnson does not see why mr boswell should suppose a scotchman less acceptable than any other man he will be at the mitre my much-valued friend dr barnard now bishop of killaloe having once expressed to him an apprehension that 
if he should visit Ireland, he might treat the people of that country more unfavourably than he had done the Scotch. He answered with strong pointed double-edged wit, Sir, you have no reason to be afraid of me. The Irish are not in a conspiracy to cheat the world by false representations of the merits of their countrymen. No, sir, the Irish are a fair people. They never speak well of one another. Johnson told me of an instance of Scottish nationality which made a very unfavourable impression upon his mind. A Scotchman of some consideration in London solicited him to recommend, by the weight of his learned authority, to be master of an English school, a person of whom he who recommended him confessed he knew no more but that he was his countryman. Johnson was shocked at this unconscientious conduct. Footnote. Johnson, Works, Volume 9, page 158, says that the mediocrity of knowledge obtained in the Scotch universities, countenanced in general by national combinations so invidious that their friends cannot defend it, and actuated in particulars by a spirit of enterprise so vigorous that their enemies are constrained to praise it, enables them to find or to make their way to employment, riches, and distinction. End of footnote. All the miserable cavillings against his journey in newspapers, magazines, and other fugitive publications, I can speak with certain knowledge, only furnished him with sport. Footnote. Macpherson had great influence with the newspapers. Horace Walpole wrote him February 1776. Macpherson the Ossonite had a pension of six hundred pounds a year from the court to supervise the newspapers. In December 1781, Walpole mentions the difficulty of getting a vindicatory paragraph inserted in the papers. This was one of the great grievances of the time. Macpherson had a pension of eight hundred pounds a year from court for inspecting newspapers and inserted what lies he pleased and prevented whatever he disapproved of being printed. Journal of the Reign of George III and a footnote. At last there came out a scurrilous volume, larger than Johnson's own, filled with malignant abuse, under a name real or fictitious, of some low man in an obscure corner of Scotland, though supposed to be the work of another Scotchman, was found means to make himself well known both in Scotland and England. The effect which it had upon Johnson was to produce this pleasant observation to Mr. Seward, to whom he lent the book. This fellow must be a blockhead. They don't know how to go about their abuse. Who will read a five-shilling book against me? No, sir, if they had wit, they should have kept pelting me with pamphlets. Footnote. This book was published in 1779 under the title of Remarks on Dr. Samuel Johnson's Journey to the Hebrides by the Reverend Donald MacNichol, A.M. Minister of Lismore, Argyllshire. In 1817 it was reprinted at Glasgow together with Johnson's Journey in one volume. 
the remarks are a few pages shorter than the journey by another scotchman boswell certainly meant macpherson End footnote. mr boswell to dr johnson edinburgh february the eighteenth seventeen seventy five you would have been very well pleased if you had dined with me to-day I had for my guests Macquarie, young Maclean of Col, the successor of our friend, a very amiable man, though not marked with such active qualities as his brother. Mr. Maclean of Torloiskin Mull, a gentleman of Sir Allan's family, and two of the clan Grant. So that the Highland and Hebridean genius reigned. We had a great deal of conversation about you, and drank your health in a bumper. The toast was not proposed by me, which is a circumstance to be remarked, for I am now so connected with you that anything that I can say or do to your honour has not the value of an additional compliment. It is only giving you a guinea out of that treasure of admiration which already belongs to you, and which is no hidden treasure, for I suppose my admiration of you is co-existent with the knowledge of my character. I find that the Highlanders and Hebrideans in general are much fonder of your journey than the Low Country or Hither Scots. One of the Grants said to-day that he was sure you were a man of a good heart, and a candid man, and seemed to hope he should be able to convince you of the antiquity of a good proportion of the poems of Ossian. After all that has passed, I think the matter is capable of being proved to a certain degree. I am told that Macpherson got one old Erse manuscript from Clan Ranald, for the restitution of which he executed a formal obligation, and it is affirmed that the Gaelic, call it Erse or call it Irish, has been written in the Highlands and Hebrides for many centuries. It is reasonable to suppose that such of the inhabitants as acquired any learning possessed the art of writing as well as their irish neighbours and celtic cousins and the question is can sufficient evidence be shown of this those who are skilled in ancient writings can determine the age of manuscripts or at least can ascertain the century in which they were written and if men of veracity who are so skilled shall tell us that manuscripts in the possession of families in the highlands and isles are the works of a remote age i think we shall be convinced by their testimony there is now come to the city ranald macdonald from the isle of egg who has several manuscripts of verse poetry which he wishes to publish by subscription i have engaged to take three copies of the book the price of which is to be six shillings, as I would subscribe for all the earths that can be printed, be it old or new, that the language may be preserved. This man says that some of his manuscripts are ancient, and to be sure one of them which was shown to me does appear to have the duskiness of antiquity. The inquiry is not yet quite hopeless, and I should think that the exact truth may be discovered if proper means be used. I am, etc., James Boswell. To James Boswell, Esquire, dear sir, I am sorry that I could get no books for my friends in Scotland. Mr. Strawn has at last promised to send two dozen to you. If they come, 
put the names of my friends into them you may cut them out footnote from a list in his handwriting boswell and a footnote and paste them with a little starch in the book you then are going wild about ossian why do you think any part can be proved the dusky manuscript of egg is probably not fifty years old if it be an hundred it proves nothing the tale of clan ranald is no proof has clan ranald told it can he prove it there are i believe no earth's manuscripts none of the old families had a single letter in earth that we heard of you say it is likely that they could write the learned if any learned there were could but knowing by that learning some written language in that language they wrote as letters had never been applied to their own if there are manuscripts let them be shown with some proof that they are not forged for the occasion you say many can remember parts of ossian i believe all those parts are versions of the english at least there is no proof of their antiquity macpherson is said to have made some translations himself and having taught a boy to write it ordered him to say that he had learnt it of his grandmother the boy when he grew up told the story this mrs williams heard at mr strawn's table don't be credulous you know how little a highlander can be trusted Footnote. such is the laxity of highland conversation that the inquiry is kept in continual suspense and by a kind of intellectual retrogradation knows less as he hears more Johnson's Works, Volume 9, page 47. The Highlanders are not much accustomed to be interrogated by others, and seem never to have thought upon interrogating themselves, so that if they do not know what they tell to be true, they likewise do not distinctly perceive it to be false. Ibid, page 114, end of footnote. Macpherson is, so far as I know, very quiet, is not that proof enough everything is against him no visible manuscript no inscription in the language no correspondence among friends no transaction of business of which a single scrap remains in the ancient families macpherson's pretence is that the character was saxon if he had not talked unskilfully of manuscripts he might have fought with oral traditions much longer as to mr grant's information i suppose he knows much less of the matter than ourselves in the meantime the bookseller says that the sale is sufficiently quick footnote of his journey to the western islands of scotland boswell it was sold at five shillings a copy it did not reach a second edition till seventeen eighty five when perhaps a fresh demand for it was caused by the publication of Boswell's Hebrides. Boswell, in a note, says that 4,000 copies were sold very quickly. Hannah Moore, memoirs, says that Cadell told her that he had sold 4,000 copies the first week. 
this i think must be an exaggeration a german translation was brought out this same year footnote. they printed four thousand correct your copy wherever it is wrong and bring it up your friends will all be glad to see you i think of going myself into the country about may I'm sorry that I have not managed to send the book sooner. I have left four for you, and do not restrict you absolutely to follow my directions in the distribution. You must use your own discretion. Make my compliments to Mrs. Boswell. I suppose she is now just beginning to forgive me. I am, dear sir, your humble servant, Samuel Johnson, February the 25th, 1775. On Tuesday, March the 21st, I arrived in London. Footnote. Boswell, on the way to London, wrote to Temple. I have a continual schemes of publication, but cannot fix. I am still very unhappy with my father. We are so totally different that a good understanding is scarcely possible. He looks on my going to London just now as an expedition as idle and extravagant when in reality it is highly improving to me considering the company which i enjoy letters of boswell End footnote. i arrived in london and on repairing to dr johnson's before dinner found him in his study sitting with mr peter garrick the elder brother of david strongly resembling him in countenance and voice but of more sedate and placid manners Johnson informed me that, though Mr. Beauclerc was in great pain, it was hoped he was not in danger, and that he now wished to consult Dr. Heberden to try the effect of a new understanding. Both at this interview and in the evening at Mr. Thrale's, where he and Mr. Peter Garrick and I met again, he was vehement on the subject of the Ossian controversy, observing, We do not know that there are any ancient earth's manuscripts and we have no other reason to disbelieve that there are men with three heads but that we do not know that there are any such men he was also outrageous upon his supposition that my countrymen loved scotland better than truth saying all of them nay not all but droves of them would come up and attest anything for the honour of scotland Footnote. A Scotchman must be a very sturdy moralist who does not love Scotland better than truth. He will always love it better than inquiry, and if falsehood flatters his vanity, will not be very diligent to detect it. Johnson's Works, Volume 9, page 116, and a footnote. He also persevered in his wild allegation that he questioned if there was a tree between Edinburgh and the English border older than himself footnote. at slane's castle in aberdeenshire he wrote i had now travelled two hundred miles in scotland and seen only one tree not younger than myself works volume nine page seventeen goldsmith wrote from edinburgh on september twenty sixth seventeen fifty three every part of the country presents the same dismal landscape no grove nor brook lend their music to cheer the stranger or make the inhabitants forget their poverty. Forster Skullsmith, end footnote.
I assured him that he was mistaken, and suggested that the proper punishment would be that he should receive a stripe at every tree above a hundred years old that was found within that space. He laughed and said, I believe I might submit to it for a Banby. End of section 42